You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America. Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the conservative conscience. And welcome back to the conservative conscience, your beacon of hope and liberty and freedom here at the conservative review. It is a new week, March 25th. It is Monday, and it will be a very busy week, especially for those of us who kind of took the weekend off and then all you know what exploded. Uh, and then to top it all off, after spending all day just playing endless games with the kids and just wearing myself out, the four-year-old woke up five times last night. So I'm a little groggy just to start off the show, frankly, uh, but definitely glad to be back here. Definitely, definitely get bl- glad to be back, um, especially after Friday's show. Every once in a while, we do a show here that I feel really really connects my brain to my mouth in a way that I'm happy with the result. You know, sometimes I'm thinking of something and I'm wondering what the best way to articulate it is and how to get across. And I think our show on golden calves, our show on how the left uses and creates talking points in pursuit of policy victories and outcomes. We look for policies in pursuit of talking points as an end to itself. I think a lot of you really understand now what I mean, what I'm all about, what I'm trying to do. I think it's a terrific segue for today's show. All right. The Super Bowl of Mueller finally was played out and Trump won. I think everyone today on all sides of the spectrum of right-leaning media, right-leaning conservative movement people, whatever they are or aren't, are all united in their glee and excitement that this is over, that you know one of the more insane things that has been going on the last two years has been put to rest. Justice has prevailed. The truth has gone you know, come out. And that is a good thing. That is a very positive step. Some of you might expect me to start off today's show by, you know, those of you who know me well, by saying, look, you know, we're going to talk about Mueller, Mueller, Mueller all day. It's a distraction. We have a border invasion. We're losing on all the policy issues. And here we're sitting and dancing around over just the end of a probe that exonerated Trump. Okay, no runs, no hits, no errors. But what did you win at the end of the day while the other side's winning? But to be honest with you, <laughs> yes, ultimately I'm going to head in that direction. But I don't want to knock anyone's focus on this. I'm going to surprise you by saying this is very important, but I think it's important in a slightly different way than most of my colleagues will derive from the results of this investigation, what happened over the weekend. So I want to go through three main points that I took away from this without getting into the nitty gritty because I know a lot of you are going to hear this 
from other people. Everyone's going to be talking about this today, and I always want to give you a unique perspective, not just because I want to do that, not to waste your time, but because I believe that's the truth. But to me, this, this is a quintessential cross point we are at. We're at that fork in the road, a crossroads, where I think Trump has been infused with a new injection of political capital. I think the closing of this investigation and its results are important in the respect that until now, the Democrats always were able to cast this cloud of darkness over the very legitimacy, the very foundation of the 2016 election results, the legitimacy of this presidency. In addition... As you all know, much to my lamentation, it has distracted every single conservative for two years. We've been left with the most disastrous two years in terms of policy outcomes. Now, we could talk about who's to blame for that, but you cannot deny that the border situation is worse than ever, healthcare is worse than ever with no end in sight, and the debt is worse than ever. Okay? You cannot deny that. That's obvious. Why? Well, congressional Republicans are ho horrible. Trump has hired a lot of idiots in his administration, made some bad uh, you know, personnel choices. You got the courts destroying everything he wants to do executively without Congress that's lawful and no one wants to stand up to, uh, to any modicum of judicial supremacy. Obviously, you have the president's reluctance for the first two years to wield his veto pen in any of those budget battles. But we are where we are. And every time we wanted to focus on that, Muller, Muller, Muller. I think... What this does – now, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen. I sadly have my premonition that it won't happen. But what I'd like to see happen is that people are like, wow, this is great. Take this as a victory. You want to gloat for a couple days even. I'm not going to stop you. I understand a lot of people worked hard on this, and a lot of people, particularly people like Mark Levin, were the first to really go out on a limb that it was Democrats who illegally spied on the Trump campaign, and that's the true collusion um, with Russia, breaking of, of laws, and they're proven right. But at some point, whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or next Monday, we need to answer the following question. We have a great talking point now. The Russian investigation, the collusion with Russia was a hoax. It's a great talking point. Awesome talking point. That everything they did, everything the media did for two years was built on a lie. But that talking point, is that a, is that a talking point as an end to itself? Meaning is all we are going to come away from this presidency with Democrats had a fake scandal and we beat them in the fake scandal? 
while meanwhile uh, on all the policy outcomes, everything gets worse. Or, or is that going to be used to now buttress the legitimacy of this presidency? And now is the time to start spending that capital on what needs to be done. And certainly the first issue to begin with is the border invasion. That's the point I want you guys to take out from today. I don't want to poo-poo people's focus on Mueller for today. I, I totally understand it. I totally understand the spike in the ball. But remember, going back to our football analogies, to me, this is not an end zone. Winning the Russia collusion investigation um, messaging is a messaging war akin to you got rid of one of their offensive linemen, neutralized the guy, and now you got an open lane to make the play. So make the freaking play. Get the ball down the field. But you didn't win anything for the for the country. I understand a lot of people say, look, Daniel, you know, what do you want from Trump? He's been hampered by this thing, you know, the whole time. I, I get it. But now that it's over, here's the deal. Everyone agrees the Democrats aren't going away with this. Okay? They're going to have endless investigations from the House committees they control. They're, the, you know, the next thing is, oh, it's not an exoneration. We, we need to see the whole report. See the whole, whole, whole report. They're going to keep coming with that. Our side's going to try to go jujitsu on that. No, no, okay, then, then release all the FISA applications. As Andy McCarthy says, and he's right. Now's the time to go after Hillary Clinton. And I don't disagree with that. But if you are worried about investigations hampering this presidency, the best way to shut that down, the best defense of the president on, this, on the bogus scandals investigations is a solid policy offense where the victories on the talking points are used towards an end of a policy outcome. See, there's too many people in this industry that made too much money off this Mueller thing. People on the left with phony accusations going on CNN or MSNBC. But then people on the so-called right going on Fox all day, they built their entire careers off defending the president on this. And that's fine. But there's got to be an end to it. See, I'm not naive. I understand not all politics is about policy. And you have soap operas involved. And sometimes you got to do black and block and tackle against their block and tackle. But it's a block and tackle so your running back could get through the line, so your wide receiver could get away from the safety, catch the ball and run the end zone. So your quarterback has a little less pressure on the, uh, on the blitz, and he can make more accurate throws and better plays. See what I mean? I, I, I'm not downplaying anyone's focus on Mueller, certainly not today. What I'm trying to say is it's, it's not a distraction of what happened over the weekend. It's very important. This is very important news. To me, this is almost like a new midterm election. I'm going to surprise you by how significant I think it is. I think it's very significant. To me, this is why right here, right now, the president has more political capital than ever to give a speech in front of the nation and announce a true sovereignty surge 
in response to the emergency declaration, emergency at our border, announce a real emergency declaration. Not just the talking point with the reprogramming a few billion dollars for a border wall, which as we all know, will not stop what's going on now. And done. Just do it, Mr. President. You could do it. That's the thing. Now is the time to double down. If not now, then when? My fear is that this cycle is going to go on and on again. And that, remember what we spoke about Friday. You could have some things that are good and important if you harness them the right way. But if you don't, then yes, they do become golden calves and defeat mechanisms, and they actually hurt you. Example number one. Example number one. We spoke about this on Friday. And, you know, I called that shot. It's happening. Lindsey Graham's holding a press conference about going after Hillary Clinton now and, and now having an investigation on the email scandal. And um, Loretta Lynch on the tarmac with Bill Clinton. Look, look. Again, if you want to use that to weaken the Democrats, to put them on defense while you're walking and chewing gum at the same time on policy, I'm fine with that. But if that's the end to itself, think about it. What a tragedy it would be if the only thing you accomplished was attempting to prosecute someone who's half dead and has long since been neutralized. Meaning at least if you're going to go political instead of policy, try to take out a Democrat, take out Joe Biden or someone that might pose a threat. Someone that's relevant. It would be a quintessential Republican play to win a talking point on yesterday's battle that long since ended. If you want justice on Hillary, I'm fine with that. But the problem is when you have people like Lindsey Graham that have not changed one iota on policy, that to this day so much of the Central American invasion was because of the actions that people like him took around 2012 to 2014 with the Gang of Eight, that spawned this whole DACA revolution, this whole notion that you could come here with kids and be safe from deportation. That all it is, is a def- if all you're going to do for me is yelp about locking Hillary up so you could avoid a primary challenge, that's not progress. That's a defeat mechanism. That's using a talking point as an end to itself and in a harmful way, let alone being harnessed towards a positive policy outcome. So that's the story. That's what I want you guys to take away from today is the important thing about this whole collusion delusion. I want to interrupt this train of thought for a minute and just go through some of the other lessons that, that stick out to me before just doubling down on what I think Trump should do, I have an article out today, a 10-step plan for Trump to use his political capital on the border post Mueller, and how that's not only the right thing to do that will finally fulfill the mandate of his presidency, but also it will shut down 
the Democrats' investigations. Believe me, you know they're going to begin investigating on policy. But you know what? I'd rather have that. I'd rather the president, boom, 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 one after another, public charge, executive order, birthright citizenship, executive order, 212F shutdown of the border, executive order. They'll let them have their investigations and committee hearings on that. Let, let us go into the next election with that. You know, that's what we need to be doing. But if we're going to dance in the end zone with this and allow the pukey Republicans to get away without doing a single thing with the border invasion, even bringing a single vote to the Senate floor on sanctuary cities, on ending the border invasion. I mean... Dude, are you kidding me? We just had last night the Texas Monthly reported that in the El Paso sector, Border Patrol has now dismantled or at least you know, took away their manpower from secondary checkpoints that they have. So you know, they, they keep certain checkpoints along certain highways in Texas, other areas of the border to stop smugglers and cartels, they took the agents off of that work, the work to uh, secure our sovereignty from drug cartels, to go and help process and catch and release and essentially serve as uh, the world's hospital bed and breakfast and free welfare agency for Central America. I mean, you want to talk about a shutdown of our government, a shutdown of Border Patrol. That is still going on. The fact that we have this exciting news about Mueller doesn't change that. And, and, and again, it still to this day is bizarre. And I understand certainly today, I, I don't blame the president for not talking about the border today. But I do blame him for the last couple of weeks when he's been proven right. So much so that even the Washington Post is reporting about the emergency. So they have no leg to stand on anymore to deny or even oppose what he would announce as an emergency declaration at the border. That I do, to me, that is perplexing. And if he would continue along this line for the next couple of days and into next week and still not get, get involved in this, I would criticize him as well. Today, I understand. Take your victory lap. You deserve it. I get it. But do something with it. Do something with the ball that you are given. That, 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 that's all we ask. Do something with this um, newfound political capital you have. So anyway, the other lessons I wanted to take away here and... You know, so that, that, that's, that's the first one, that the Dems will continue this witch hunt. And if all we do is sit and debate them on the witch hunt, no, it, it does exonerate. No, it doesn't. Here, uh, show me the whole thing. Show me the whole report. Uh, Hillary Clinton, the emails. It's just going to continue. I'll tell you in, in, in a minute what we should do. But the other two things is, and I know some of you might disagree with me on this, but I really think this is a vindication of Jeff Sessions all along. 
I always thought that Sessions calculus was look, get someone in there like Mueller. Undeniably, he is respected by the, by the Democrats. They went all out defending him. I am so close to the campaign. I mean, now it's two years later, and we know we view Sessions and Trump as enemies. But you have to understand, at the time, he you know he was viewed as one of his biggest assets from the campaign. He said, "Look, let me just step back." Obviously, Sessions made a mistake by, you know, not neutralizing Rod Rosenstein. He should have had a better deputy. But again, some of that tr- Trump also appointed him. Remember, and that was a Trump appointee. But let let it let it, let Mueller do his thing, and he knew it was BS. He knew there was nothing there. Okay, there was nothing there. So think about it. We lost all this good work for nothing. You know, we we got rid of him because oh, he's a problem. Let's get in bar, and. I'm just telling you, I don't think much would have changed. And now we lost our only guy that was actually trying to push back against the courts and fight for sovereignty. So that's with that. You know, to me, I always felt that if there was no collusion there, while this whole thing should never have happened, it was a waste of taxpayer funding, I always felt that if we would have kept our eye on the ball, focused on the big issues, believe me, the Democrats would be so riled up about that. There wouldn't be any focus on this stuff. And Mueller himself, maybe I had too much faith in him. I'm not a fan of his. But I didn't think he would necessarily be influenced by how many talking heads on Fox are pushing back against it. I think he would have come out with whatever he came out with anyway except we would have had a better attorney general. You can let me know if you disagree, but that, to me, is one forgotten thing. And I really think, while I think he did make certain mistakes, I think, broadly speaking, that was a big part of why he felt he'd step back. So there's, you know, no one could accuse them of tainting it, and he knew it would, it would be nothing. The other point I want to make is that, so... Part of the collateral damage you did have throughout this is that there were people within Trump's orbit that were indicted and are going to jail. And it's all over tax laws, campaign finance, or just the self, self-fulfilling perjury, obstruction of justice trap of nothing. there's nothing there. It's a phony investigation, and you just trip people up in their own words and then prosecute them on that itself. And to to me, the important lesson with that is that, you know, you see how when it comes to where prosecutors want to enforce the law, you see we're sticklers for tax law, campaign finance law. Why is it that every aspect of illegal immigration, somehow the laws don't matter? Somehow the laws don't matter. It's just really interesting how that works. Now, look, I never went out on a limb defending Manafort and these guys because I'm like, look, I'm not going to expend my time um, you know, defending guys that, to me, weren't even 
conservative anyway. But I just think that's an important point to realize, that it's funny how you see we take the rule of law to its logical conclusion, even in a very strict way, when we want to. And clearly, when it comes to illegal immigration, we do not want any bit of it. I say that because you know, over the weekend, there was this whole story about th- there, there's a new area of law, in quotes, you know, not real law, <laughs> fake law, that if you come here illegally and you become a flight attendant, evidently, you can't be deported anymore. Now, look, God bless you. You might, you know, try to find respectable work. But we either have sovereignty or we don't. So there was this gal that was arrested. Um, she was detained by ICE, wasn't allowed back in the country from one of these flights. She worked for, was it, Mesa Airlines, a small-time airline. And um, the political pressure forced ICE to let her go because she was a DACA recipient. Now, the problem with that is, number one, DACA is lawless. So there we are again still codifying an executive power grab, and I don't see Mike Lee or any of these guys yelping about that. It's kind of interesting. And Mike Lee's out there today saying what a conservative plan Joni Ernst has for paid family leave, a new entitlement, very severely conservative. And he's very concerned about executive power grabs, but no one seems to be concerned about that. But you know what's funny? I don't want to get too into this rabbit hole if it doesn't grow legs, but um, just to close the loop here, this woman... If you look at her age, she would have been about 2021 and 2012 when DACA started. You had to be under 18 at that point. So she couldn't have even been eligible for it. So essentially, anyone who has good PR in the media, we're going to let you go. That, that's the thing. Like When it comes to tax evasion, campaign finance laws, I mean, we're going to lock someone up for 10 years. We're going to do that. We're not going to make exceptions. Oh, you seem like a productive person. I mean, the bottom line is there's nothing wrong with our immigration laws. Okay, if someone brings someone here as a kid, it's not our fault. I used to have candidates come up to me and ask me, Daniel, how do I articulate this on the campaign trail? You know, they were really kind of, they knew it was BS. But they didn't know how to articulate it like, yeah, you know, they kind of got me there, this whole thing. They brought here as kids. Like, what do you want from them? It's not their fault. And I said, you're right. If you look at it in a vacuum from their vantage point, it's not their fault. But there's another player, he- player here, and that's the American people. Whose fault is it? It's not the fault of the American people. It's the fault of their parents. It's the fault of their country of origin. It doesn't disprove the veracity of our immigration laws. Like, oh, there's a junky law we need to change. No, we're right to have sovereignty laws. If you want to go and bring people into bad situations, that's your problem. Now, yeah, always in general, we're going to prioritize deportation of people that are more of a problem. But that doesn't create an entitlement for us not to enforce it against you, even if you're somewhat decent and you're making money and you're not bothering anyone. We either have a sovereign country or we don't. I'm just telling you, when it comes to other laws, we don't seem to play up that sympathy card. It's very interesting. 
And these are laws dealing with Americans who have the right to be here. So that's with that. Now, what Trump needs to do, my, my concern, of course we can walk and chew gum at the same time, but my concern of a massive focus on going after Hillary, on really trying to double down on this, is that we're going to continue to give this administration rope a too long of a leash on policy. Something very troubling. Former deputy campaign manager David Balsey, who was viewed as like the ultimate MAGA, like Bannon type of guy, he wrote a column on America first immigration policy, what it looks like. And he calls for a massive increase in legal immigration across the board. That tells me that this infection has really gotten into this administration a lot. Notice the president doesn't talk about getting rid of birthright citizenship anymore. Notice he doesn't talk about chain migration and the diversity visa lottery much. Notice what he does talk about. We need more workers. This has really infected the administration. And that's why I'm saying now is the time to double down. Oh, Danny, we got to fight Mueller. Okay, fine. You did. It's over. When do we get to the real fight? When are we done with the means and we begin focusing on the ends? When is that? We're more than two years into this presidency. And again, you got to recognize that the courts are going to keep doing what they're doing no matter how many judges Trump gets to appoint. The legislative branch is going to continue to be the same dumpster fire even if we take back the House. All the president is left with is as, as an independent branch of government. In many ways, the president is the strongest. Congress collectively is the strongest, but it's a collection of a bunch of people who can't agree. The courts are obviously very strong. We accord them the most power, but you know they're divided as well. The president, if he wants, he could assert his direction over the entire branch of government. Because you know, really, there is no executive branch of government per se. There's the president. See what I mean? This Congress is a president. Constitution really only deals with the president. It references, obviously, the understanding and existence that there would be other higher offer, high officers and departments. But at the time of the founding, it was more like, hey, you got Congress, you got the president. So, um, you know, that's where we are. And, uh, I don't know. We need the president to understand, if not him, then who? If not now, then when? Now is his time to shine after this Mueller investigation. You could take your digs at Hillary, direct DOJ to now open up and 
heck, if you want, now hire a special counsel on the on the Hillary email investigation. Do it. I'm all for it. But you could walk and chew gum at the same time while DOJ is doing that. Fire Kirsten Nielsen as DHS secretary. Appoint a guy like Chris Kobach or maybe a Ken Cuccinelli or someone else to run DHS who understands sovereignty and go pedal to the metal on that issue. So, heck, you know, you, you keep the Democrats on defense on all ends. And that will separate the men from the boys. So you don't have Lindsey Graham fanboys like Lindsey Graham. Hey, please don't primary me. I love Trump. Oh, Mueller, how about that Hillary investigation? Look, I am all for converting people to our cause. Believe me, it is so hard to defeat people. It's impossible. We, we don't even mount primary challenges anymore. The best win is to get someone who previously disagreed with us to agree with us. But I think you guys are smart enough to know by now that Lindsey Graham really has not changed. He really has not. So what should Trump do? So whatever this speech is that he would give to announce the real declaration of an emergency at our border, if I were him, I would frame this as the true foreign interference in our elections. Have you ever thought about it? And if I were him, I I would discuss this. How you could have foreign nationals, foreign entities, even foreign countries like Russia and China fomenting and sowing the seeds of disquiet in Latin America. We're going to focus on this in the coming days. My buddy Joseph Humeyer is yelping about this. So he's like, Daniel, you're missing the point, you know. There's you, you got to focus on the caravans and who's organizing them. He tells me I need to do more work on that. Um, that the, the Russians are behind it. You want to talk about Russian collusion? I mean, that's where it is. How you could come into our country, drop a baby 18 years from now, these foreign nationals that we never allowed in our country, that the people never voted through their elected representatives as expressed in their laws to make this person American gets to vote. And then everyone, all these people. I mean, could you imagine? I'm going to have an article out soon. Remember last week we did a report on over a million people who remain in this country with final deportation orders. Another 1.5 million that are close to it, they're just appealing it. They already have, from the immigration judge, a final order of deportation. Do you understand even those people are counted in the census? And even those people, if they have a a baby, imagine you're ordered deported and you don't leave. You're ordered deported and, you know, your home country screws with us and doesn't want to take you back. You destroy your passport. You give all, you know, they, they have all sorts of ways of sabotaging it. And then you have a kid. Ha ha ha. I'm here to stay. And then, of course, the illegals actually being registered to vote, voting in our elections, as we've uh, we've done a few shows on that. That's the foreign influence. It's time to end foreign influence 
in the future determination of what our country is. That's how he needs to frame it. Period. Then he needs to announce the following plans. First of all, concurrent with all this, he needs to fire Secretary Nielsen. I mean, nobody else has gotten away this long with being such a dismal failure. I'm sorry. At some point, results matter. And the situation has gone out of, spiraled out of control under her watch. You need new blood in there. Needs to announce Kobach. And again, you know, until now, it's always been, oh, the personnel was always caught up in Mueller and this and that, and like, because he fired Comey. Now with that political capital, there would be no better time for Trump to weather, you know, the typical turmoil of turnover in the administration than now. He's a new DHS secretary, a new face with new talking points. Make Democrats fight Chris Kobach, okay? Or someone like him, at least. So that's number one. Number two, he needs to announce a surge of our military at our border. He needs to say, I promised this president that we would put America first. And instead of our soldiers dying for nothing, for other people and other countries that aren't even countries, here it is. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put them on our border to hold the line and not allow anything to come through it. Next thing, designate the Mexican cartels as terrorists. Again, these are all moves he can do unilaterally. Congress is not going to do anything. The 60-vote threshold business is not going to end. He's got to act. And these are all powers that are unquestionably where the president is at his strongest when he's commander-in-chief of the military. And I think designating the cartels, as we spoke about with Jason Jones, it's not just strategically and legally it opens up more DOD and Intel assets to go against the cartels. But it also, I think, focuses the mindset of the nation on treating this like an invasion if you treat them as terrorists rather than you know, a law enforcement operation and worse, even a social work operation. Now, the next thing is once you deploy your military – actively, in a real way, then it's like deploying your mil- our military elsewhere where we spend all sorts of money on all sorts of things. It opens up all sorts of pots of money for the president to construct roads, for forward operating bases at our border, and yes, any barriers that are needed in support of those troops. Next. And this is the biggie, as you well know. While the military will counter the cartels, at the end of the day, you got to end the lawfare with the Central American families. The president needs to stand before the American people, like I've said until I'm blue in the face, and assert his inherent and delegated authority to close the border. We are closed for business. We will not allow in anyone for processing a complete shutoff of any request. And if need be, 
See, obviously, we don't need to shut off all commerce or anything, and that would certainly we don't necessarily want to do that. We don't want to do that. We have to trade and everything, but um, it's mainly to shut off immigration requests. But look, if need be, if the president, in order to make his point one day a week here and there to shut down all points of entry, all traffic, or close for business, let him do that. He needs to assert his control as president over foreign commerce. That is unquestionable power that he has. I, I, I don't understand. I mean, if I were the president, I would get up and read to him the following statement. Okay? This is from John Roberts' majority opinion in Trump v. Hawaii. By its terms, 1182F, that's the official statute of 212F of the Immigration Nationality Act. 1182F exudes deference to the president in every clause. It entrusts the president the decision whether and when and when to suspend entry. Whose entry to suspend? For how long? And on what conditions? It thus vests the president with, quote, ample power to impose entry restrictions in addition to those elsewhere enumerated in the INA. And he cites the sale case from 93 we've been talking about. The pro- this proclamation falls well within the comprehensive delegation. The sole prerequisite set forth in 1182F is that the president finds that the entry of the covered aliens would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. The president has undoubtedly fulfilled that requirement here. That was with the travel ban. And that's it. That's it. Anyone. I mean, everyone's like, Daniel, the courts. What do you, you just got a ruling on this. Assert yourself. You know, to that end, one of our listeners, look, this is a little something. It doesn't cost you anything. As you well know, well, first, let me just say, one of our listeners um, sent me that, a note that he put a petition up at the White House, whitehouse.gov. As you all know, if you get over 100,000 signatures by a certain time, I mean, there's not much time. It's maybe a month. Um, Then the White House will automatically has to respond to you, at least respond, get it on the radar. So we're going to link to this petition in show notes. It's a brand new um, petition inspired by the show. Use your constitutional authority to deny entry to all foreign nationals seeking to immigrate or claim asylum at and between points of entry until the 900,000-plus immigration case backlog is cleared out. Um, Congress passes mandatory E-Verify and eliminates loopholes such as Flora Settlement and the uh, you know trafficking bill. That's the UAC loophole for, uh, for them. Um, and I, I agree totally. And and, and thanks, uh, Eric, Eric uh, one of our listeners, for for putting that out. So we'll uh, we'll link to it. It uh, takes a minute to to sign up and put your name to it. And th- that's what the president needs to do. I mean, this is how Obama exploited Congress, but he didn't have the authority. He or unquestionably Trump does have the authority. And he used to say, until you give me E-Verify, whoops, the administration doesn't endorse E-Verify because of the business interests. But you know what I mean. Until you start making progress in some of these things in Congress, sanctuary cities and everything, I 
am shutting down all cross-border migration. That's what he needs to do. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, everyone thinks like I have some magical panacea. There's nothing more magical than that. Read Trump v. Hawaii and assert it. Now, look, the other side's always going to try to split hairs and say there are differences, but at least assert it first. Just ridiculous. U.S. bombs killed 10 children in Kunduz clashes. 13 civilians, including 10 children, have been killed by a coalition airstrike in Afghanistan's Kunduz province. Just reading that come across the wires now. Um, look, I'm not, you know, being one of those like, oh, we're killing children. I'm just saying, like, really, like, this is what we're expending our capital on. But anyway, I digress. Our military belongs in our border. Again, there's the cartel threat. There's the migration threat. The two of them obviously mix. We need the military anyway to hold the line against the cartel. We need to shut off all cross-border migration. And then, like I said, for those that are already here or those that wind up getting on our soil and we feel like we need legally to process them, which, again, I, I think 212F covers those as well, but whatever – that's like I said, the president should implement the DHS emergency mass migration plan to construct 10 cities, as Jessica Vaughn um, said, and put as many immigration judges or people you deputize, which he can, other federal officials as immigration adjudicators, send them to the 10 cities, have a rocket docket, and get rid of them within 72 days. That will end catch and release. He needs to announce that. Six. The president needs to assert, and this is his part of it. He obviously has to call his shot. And and, and it, as, he, as he's giving the legal case for this and the political and policy case, he needs to say, assert Justice Thomas's opinion that universal injunctions are illegal. We're not going to allow any lower court universal injunction, which is unconstitutional in itself, to shut down our sovereignty. And remember, the courts by design have no enforcement mechanism. Who enforces court opinions? The U.S. Marshals. They're controlled by who? The Attorney General, the direction of the president. At some point, you got to assert that. At some point, you got to assert that. Because you know why? Just, um, what do you call it? Where is this? Uh, Trying to pull this up. Judge Judge Dolly G is at it again. U.S. government must swiftly release immigrant children in detention. Whole nother case on that. I mean, it's going to happen every day. I also want to point you to an important political article. It's not just immigration. It's labor, environment, energy, election law, abortion, sexuality. I mean, every single fiscal and social issue. See, this is why for us to focus on talking points and media memes and, and fights with the media as an end to itself, not just as an important means to achieve a policy end, is an untenable position. Because it's not like you say, look, if we come out unscathed and we can beat the media on defense, all right, no runs, no hits, no errors. But it's not no runs, no hits, no errors. 
They get their runs and hits even when they're not at bat. The courts do it for them. This is why we're Republicans in Congress do it for them. I mean, this is why healthcare continues to become a venture socialist dumpster fire worse every year, even when Republicans are in power. The debt is out of control. In February, we had the single worst month, single largest deficit in history. It broke the record from seven months, seven years ago, and that was again when we were still in the stagnation from the Great Recession. This is in a the most robust job market since the late '60s. We're still running that big of a deficit. And by the way, the money quote that people, the media kind of obfuscated from the Friday report on February's uh, budget. It's not an equal thing. Oh, they're like, oh, because of the tax cuts and increased spending. No. Revenue was down relative to February last year by 1%. Spending was up 9%. Okay? We're not winning this. But, um... I, I wanted to uh, just note for you, I'll try to link to this a political article, Betsy DeVos strikes out in court. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos's attempts to, to swiftly roll back o- major Obama-era policies at her agency are hitting a ro- roadblock, federal courts. Judges have rebuffed DeVos's attempts to change Obama policies dealing with everything from student loan forgiveness to mandatory arbitration agreements to racial disparities in special education programs. As a result, the Education Department is being forced to carry out Obama-era policies that the Trump administration has been fighting to stop, stymieing DeVos's efforts to quickly impose a conservative imprint on federal education policy over the past two years. (laughs) I mean, that's a money quote, folks. Nothing matters until we stop this. If you're going to agree to this business that that a universal injunction could apply even to um, continue past executive policies of previous administrations, then there's nothing left. And again, where's Mike Lee? Where's all these guys? Where are they? I thought they didn't like executive power. Yeah, but they love judicial power so much that even though the judiciary is mandating that Trump continue other executive power grabs, forget it. So you see, this is how the left wins. Can you imagine? I mean, Department of Education, first of all, it has more money than ever. Biggest budget than ever. Massive increase in spending over this administration because of these stupid budget bills that weren't vetoed. But guess what? The policies are all continuing. As it relates to education, Obama's essentially in power. We can say, well, he might have done more stuff. At least we're not doing, I guess so. Where's the end game? This is what I'm saying. The the left has moved on. We're fighting yesterday, yesterday's battles. They've discovered with the power of the universal injunction and forum shopping, if you're going to allow it to go on, nothing matters anymore. Not going to do anything through the Senate. Even if you win the most smashing success in 2020 elections, 
nothing's going to change but what the president does unilaterally. And he, he's not going to be able to do that unless he stands up to the courts. And what I'm telling you is I'm not even saying he should stand up to the whole judicial supremacy. Just the notion of forum-shopped universal injunctions from a lower court. That's all I'm saying. Oh, Daniel, it's too much. You can't do that. Oh, you can't do that. All right, then. I guess we're done. But that's got to be a part of this with his emergency declaration because what I'm telling you is it's going to bear fruit on allowing him to start a war with the courts on, on all these other issues. Now, speaking of the U.S. Marshals, Trump has the ability to deputize in, as marshals any federal 1811. They're called 1811s, federal officers who wear a badge. They could be Fish and Wildlife. They could be Bureau of Land Management, park rangers, um, obviously DA agents, to enforce immigration law, to help Border Patrol and ICE. Also, he could deputize um, in a case of a mass immigration influx. What is it called? An actual or imminent mass influx of aliens, according to statute, 8 U.S.C. 1103A10, to deputize local law enforcement like sheriffs to perform or exercise any of the powers, privileges, or duties of immigration enforcement. Again, all of this will not just help in terms of policy, but it will create such shockwaves in the political system if you're doing that. It will force the issue, it will force the Democrats to go all in, not on, you know, you're corrupt and this and that. Because, again, there are, are always corrupt figures in every administration, every – anyone at the top of the political food chain. There's going to be people with campaign finance violations. There's going to be people with shady backgrounds and, you know, Trump administration is certainly no different. And they're going to be able to ground, grind you to a halt on that rather than playing their game on their territory. Imagine if he did all this stuff. Military surge, deputizing, you know, mass emergency, the, the tents, shutting down migration. Next, call upon McConnell to hold votes on his priorities. Force votes on this stuff. Criminal aliens, chain migration, border loopholes, sanctuary cities, illegals voting in, in elections. And then finally, Trump should top it off, as I've always noted, creating a new Monroe Doctrine in the Western Hemisphere and calling out Russia and China and their subversion in Latin America to destabilize the region and foment some of these organized challenges to our border. Tied into Russia. That's the ultimate owning of the libs. Think about what the world would look like if he would do that. Now come back to me if you have a problem with this. Oh, and by the way, Trump needs to start building the case for birthright citizenship changes. Don't do it helter-skelter. At this point, he's delayed so long. Do it methodically. Start with the birth tourism. Again, and start with the, the Russian collusion. There's an AP article out today. South Florida sees a boom in birth tourism from Russia. Russian parents, guess what? Russians could just come here on a temporary visa, drop a baby. 18 years from now, Russians get to vote in our elections. And this has been going on for more than 18 years, so they are voting in our elections. And they shouldn't be. He needs to change that. It's not hard to go in front of the American people and say the opinion that they're basing this off of in 1898, which in itself is very controversial, and is not the law, is not the Constitution, it's one court opinion, 
we're forever, you know, reversing court opinions from the 1800s. Says 24 times that you have to be domiciled in our country. If you're here illegally or on a temporary tourist visa, you're not domiciled. Make the case to the American people. Be very careful the way you talk about it. If you talk about it right, it's a winning issue. Say, look, we're not going to, it's not for people who come here legally, green cards, we're not touching you, even illegals, we're not doing this retroactively. This is henceforth, it is indefensible to tell me that prospectively you're going to break into our country and and criticize my administration for, for changing that. Believe me, you know, a, a friend of mine was like, Daniel, but, but you know, the Democrats aren't just going to go home and stop with the investigations. You think they're going to stop? I'm like, you're proving my point. <laughs> if you sit and indulge them in that tit-for-tat fight just on investigations, it's going to continue. You do those 10 things I just talked about, believe me, they're not going to have time for that. Because remember, remember, we did have a five-week border fight with the government shutdown. That was the one time I could remember when we weren't talking about Mueller. Democrats cannot win a sustained national dialogue on this issue. That's what we need to be doing. But I will tell you, I will tell you, if we don't stop this business, if we keep allowing the golden calves to distract us, if we keep seeking talking points while the other side enacts policies at the courts and the agencies and the culture, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. This is the one directional ratchet where the conservative side is so acculturated to low expectations a ratchet. They keep turning the screws one after another and it gets quicker and quicker and quicker. It's probably pretty grating on your ears in a, can, in, a, in, a, in a microphone, so I'll stop. But you get my point with the ratchet. This is the official conservative conscience ratchet here. And it's all one directional. And then the next presidential election, we start based off of all of this 1.5 million illegals coming here. I promise to shut it down. There's two, I mean, and the debt and everything, everything by any metric keeps getting worse. And then when we think we're finally winning, we finally expend capital, maybe do something in a vacuum, we lose it all. Like, I'll give you an example. One thing that this administration has genuinely done on immigration, is shut down the refugee program. So, I mean, you know, for for many years, we were bringing in 70,000, so many from the Islamic world or from Bhutan and Congo, really just fundamentally transforming America, and there was no need for it. It was rife with fraud. It was all really run by these resettlement contractors. And then Obama came in there and just turned it up to 100,000, 110,000, Trump has really ground that to a halt. I don't have the latest numbers for the first few months of this fiscal year, but I know last fiscal year was really down to a trickle. It was like 5,000. That really is progress, except there's a problem. What's the purpose in shutting down one thing if you now have a new refugee program 
where anyone could just come here. I mean, at least refugees, we pick them out. We bring them here. Here, anyone could just assert against our will hundreds of thousands. It's going to go on a million. Now, you could say, well, it would be worse if you had that and the refugee. Well, I guess so. But you know what I'm saying? The refi- that, that's a classic example of the ratchet. We've already moved on from that. The left, are, they're killing our sovereignty on much bigger things. That's what we're always doing. We're always fighting yesterday's battle. A day late, a dollar short. We got to harness the new political capital the president has on this issue. To at least be the president to stop this invasion. At least, I mean, at least get to par to where we were when Obama left office. If we're not going to succeed in rolling back, you know, some of the existing problems of counting them in the census and birthright citizenship. That's all he needs to do. But my fear is so many of my colleagues will just be so intoxicated on this news because there's too much money to, to be made as an end to itself and just opining on any given media meme on a given day. But if we don't remain focused, then I'm not sure what we can do. We got to remain focused. Again, to sum up, I'm not saying what happened over the weekend is not important. I'm saying it's vitally important. It's what we do with it. Just like if your offensive lineman make some great blocking maneuvers to get rid of uh, the offensive lineman, the blitz. That's awesome. Now make your play. But imagine if that's the end goal. It's like, yes, I blocked the guy. Now let's just down the ball. Or worse, continue throwing interceptions. Look, I, I blocked the guy. You see that? I like slammed him. My body slammed him on the ground. They're big 400... 400- pound offensive uh, defensive lineman I got rid of him then meanwhile your your own quarterback like you know tosses an interception or your running back fumbles the ball the ratchet keeps going while we're all distracted let's get focused we need a sovereignty surge we need to solve this issue and then eventually we need to move on to other fiscal issues healthcare we got to have a vision. What is it we want? I think if we're able to answer that question, it'll be very simple strategically what to do with some of these other kind of political stories that come up and what we want to do with them. That's my goal for today, to give that over. I'm not trying to poo-poo other people's coverage, certainly not today. But I think there is a tremendous opportunity here. It's a lifeline we have Because I'll tell you, it's not going to come on its own. This progress will not be made on its own. And if we're not making progress, we're going backwards. Because the other policies that are in place will continue to get worse as a result of the courts. God bless y'all. The week has just begun. We have just gotten started. Send me your comments, concerns, and questions. This has been another episode of The Conservative Conscience.